Hello, and welcome to People of the Pod, brought to you by American Jewish Committee. Each week, we take you beyond the headlines to help you understand what they all mean for America, Israel, and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Manya Brashear-Pashman. This week, American Jewish Committee is rolling out its call to action for America, for all sectors of society to know how they can do their part to combat anti-Semitism. With me to discuss this bold new initiative is Holly Huffnagel, AJC's U.S. Director for Combating Anti-Semitism. Holly, welcome to People of the Pod. Thank you for having me. So tell me, how did this call to action for America come about? Is it modeled after other countries' strategies to combat anti-Semitism? So this call to action actually had its origins in our work in Europe. In 2015, AJC convened a strategy conference on combating anti-Semitism in Brussels. It was called a defining moment for Europe. And there was a call to action adopted at this groundbreaking conference. And it focused on European leadership, Jewish community security, anti-Semitism on social media, measuring hate crimes, better education. And we did not have something similar in the United States. And for me, after the hostage situation in Colleyville, Texas this past January, something had to change. Two reasons among many I want to point out. The first was the FBI initially said the attack did not have to do with the Jewish community. And that was in part because of a misunderstanding of the conspiratorial nature of anti-Semitism, this, you know, Jews control the government uh, example. But the second was that the Islamist extremist connection was downplayed of the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, uh, in addition to the perpetrator at the synagogue in Colleyville, had also vowed to release Afia Siddiqui. And we know at AJC how Islamist extremist anti-Semitism has been the source of the majority of murders in Europe, of Jews in Europe over the past decade. And so we really were seeing this increased violence, this increased openness of anti-Semitism in the United States. And there wasn't a you know collective call to action here. And we were seeing it also becoming more mainstream in society. And so something had to be done. And we decided that a static action plan would not be enough. And we really needed a call, a mobilizing tool, this call to action that would be a resource for all Americans. And so it's our turn now. So now the document, it breaks down the different components of society that should be developing a strategy to address anti-Semitism. There's a section on law enforcement, federal, state, and local governments, social media, corporations. How will you convey this action plan to all of those many different entities, or has that work already begun? In many ways, the work has already begun. I mean, you can trace AJC's advocacy and policy prescriptions to counter anti-Semitism you know, back to our inception as an organization well over a century ago. But what's different now is that these prescriptions are gathered in one place for key audiences of American leadership, and they are organized into three main areas, understanding anti-Semitism, responding to it, and most importantly, preventing it. So when people ask, what can I do to counter anti-Semitism? And we get this question a lot. Well, one can always answer and say, speak up, call it out, be an ally to the Jewish community. Those are all very important, but these are very general answers. It is much more useful to be really specific and say, for instance, in the case of the media, 
Guard against visual displays of hate when an anti-Semitic incident is being covered on television and other visual media outlets, or know who to call when something happens to get mainstream Jewish perspectives. And then we provide that list to aid in accuracy in reporting. So we need that targeted outreach uh, to these different audiences. And that's what this call to action does. So when we meet with local and state legislators or members of Congress, for instance, we'll bring with them a with us a list of action items that they can specifically do. When we do trainings on understanding anti-Semitism for companies or for the media, like we just did recently with EW Scripps, we'll share those targeted best practices with them. And as a journalist, I participated with you on that Scripps training and really did believe that it was a public service to just provide this kind of guidance for journalists. You know, not edicts, not instructions or orders on, on what we expect from them, but more just guidance and education on what resonates with audiences and, you know, just how to send helpful messages and not send unhelpful messages. So how did you identify the different entities? Are they organized in order of priority or are they all equally important in this effort to combat anti-Semitism? They're not in any particular order, but when I think about it, about the call to action, it does open with government. It opens with calling on the executive branch and then Congress and then local and state governments and then law enforcement. And all of those first ones listed, those are really those who have a duty to protect and support the Jewish community in the United States. But there was this realization that we can't just leave combating anti-Semitism to the government. It is civil society, it is the private sector that will change hearts and minds. That's really our message here, is that it's up to all Americans to realize that anti-Semitism is a problem that will affect everyone, if not addressed. So this is a call for their equally important involvement as well. So let's talk about some of the specific recommendations. What is AJC, for instance, calling on social media companies to do? What is AJC calling on the White House to do? And what about companies, cor corporate America? Is there a role for them as well? There is. I will start with social media companies. We have been saying this for years at AJC, that the digitization of anti-Semitism is the greatest contributor to its current rise. And we are asking social media companies to do a lot. And it's not about hiring more and more moderators and, and being proud of that. It's actually about changing the actual policies and the system itself for how hateful and conspiratorial content is spread and shared. So for one, we're asking social media companies to utilize the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance working definition of anti-Semitism in their policies which would then allow artificial intelligence and human moderators to be more consistent uh, in either content removal or demotion. We are also asking these companies to hire a point person focused on the Jewish diaspora to both listen to the concerns of Jewish communities around the world and work with senior leadership within the company. So structural changes happen to ensure that anti-Semitism is understood, recognized, and properly addressed. Meta has someone in this role, but other, all other companies, to my knowledge, uh, do not, and they should as well. And finally, we're asking social media companies to enhance Jewish community outreach. Some companies have consistent outreach with Jewish communal leaders, but many don't. And for those who do not, we're asking that they start regular meetings with Jewish stakeholders. Now, for the White House, 
in the immediate term, we are calling on them to host a summit specifically on anti-Semitism. And ideally, the summit would be action-oriented and serve as the setting to launch a task force that would be charged with creating a national action plan to combat anti-Semitism for the United States. Other countries, especially in Europe, the European Union, they have plans to combat solely anti-Semitism. We do not in the United States. And AJC has been asking the White House for this task force and action plan for several months now. We're also asking the White House to consider appointing a point person that would be in charge of coordinating with the various federal agencies uh, the work that's being done on anti-Semitism. So there is a lot the White House can do in this space. Finally, corporate America. That's a whole entity entirely, a whole new entity entirely. It's not a monolith. As we see companies, you know, depending on their size, whether they're private or public, they're doing different things. But overall, what's important to note is that even a decade ago, actually even a few years ago, companies were not as involved in social issues as they are now. And for those who are today, those who are on the forefront of actively you know, supporting maybe a few years ago, the Me Too movement, right, to better protect women or fighting anti-Black racism or calling to stop anti-Asian hate, which are all, of course, incredibly important. But then they were silent when Jews were attacked uh, or they did not speak out about anti-Semitism. Those are the places we need to be because these companies have a corporate responsibility to call out and raise awareness about anti-Semitism. But First, they need to know who Jews are. You know, Jews are not just a religious group, but a multi-ethnic, multi-racial people. They need to know that anti-Semitism is not just a religious bias or something to be talked about in interfaith groups. This call to action shares this. It also asks companies to ensure that Jews are included within DEI and that companies understand and recognize Jewish ties to Israel. We also ask them to listen, to listen to Jewish employees and be an ally in the same way they would with other minority groups. So all of this in much greater detail, Manya, is in the call to action. And this is more than just communications companies. We're talking arts and crafts, retail, fashion, banking, you name it, whatever the industry, many of these corporations have DEI departments, are speaking out about these social justice issues, and you're saying all of them share the responsibility to spread this message and to fight this hate. All companies have corporate responsibility, absolutely. I do think in this moment, we can be strategic about which companies we choose to engage with and seek these trainings on understanding anti-Semitism, give them the call to action, these action items. And that's especially for companies that do have influence with young people, whether they be entertainment companies, whether they be you know, really content sharing companies, social media companies, those that are reaching you know millions and millions of people. And if the employees that work within their companies know what anti-Semitism is, how to recognize it, and all its contemporary forms, not just from the far right, then we think we'll actually have the greatest impact there. And I want to go back to the recommendation on what the White House can do. I think a lot of people mistake Ambassador Deborah Lipstadt, the State Department's special envoy for combating and monitoring anti-Semitism. They mistake her role as keeping an eye on anti-Semitism in the United States. But This acknowledges that actually her role is more of a global role within the State Department. Are you suggesting or does this plan recommend someone on the domestic 
side to kind of do what she does, but on the domestic side? Currently, the plan does not recommend like a domestic, you know, anti-Semitism czar. There's been lots of conversation whether this point person here in the United States would be a good or a bad thing. I think, unfortunately, right now in our very hyper-politicized environment, this person was a political appointee, for instance. I actually can see that it making the challenge of anti-Semitism worse. So if there would be this person, we'd want a senior government official, you know, a, a, maybe a bureaucrat from the Department of Justice, someone that could look at this objectively, this issue. But right now, the current ask is not for a point person. It's more for that holistic action plan to be created to figure out how to best combat anti-Semitism in the United States and support the individual states individual states who are needing to tackle anti-Semitism in a more local and state context. What's happening in California, for instance, with anti-Semitism is very different than what's happening in Kansas. And so this action plan could incorporate those elements as well. As you mentioned, the action plan is broken down. You provide suggestions or resources for understanding anti-Semitism, responding to anti-Semitism, and preventing anti-Semitism. And I saw that kind of even distribution as a bit of a hopeful sign, as if perhaps we haven't reached a point where just adequately responding to anti-Semitism is the most urgent priority. And in other words, we're not past the point of no return, that we still have an opportunity to prevent it. Yes? Absolutely. We still have an opportunity to prevent. Adequately responding is going to continue to be maybe the most urgent in the moment. But wouldn't it be great if we could work to lower levels of anti-Semitism of that constant need to respond with prevention? So the call to action focuses heavily on prevention because we need to be able to respond and work to prevent simultaneously, especially as anti-Semitism changes. So for instance, one of the preventative measures mentioned for several audiences is to be aware of the patterns. So we know from tracking anti-Semitism that there are days and events which are likely to trigger anti-Jewish incidents. Anti-Semitism spikes historically around three key areas. During elections, election campaigns, we are seeing this right now. Jewish holidays, which are coming up. And when there is an uptick in violence in the Middle East. So we know that. So by planning for these predictable increases, law enforcement, for example, can safeguard local Jewish communities and prevent attacks before they occur. Companies can be prepared to offer additional support for Jewish employees if necessary. Social media companies can increase AI and human moderation on their platforms during this time. On campus, preventing anti-Semitism by including it in the several mandatory trainings that incoming students take on anti-harassment and anti-racism. Students who learn about contemporary anti-Semitism and its impact on Jewish students early might think twice, for instance, before participating in Israel Apartheid Week, since we know that anti-Semitic incidents increase during and after this time. So those are some examples of the preventative measures that can be taken. And is prevention, I mean, still, is prevention always going to be a priority on the table because new forms of anti-Semitism keep emerging? I mean, we've talked before about how anti-Semitism is a shapeshifter, right? It's most commonly expressed as coming from the far right, white supremacist circles, but it's increasingly coming from the far left, anti-Israel circles, and there always seems to be a a new form, a, a new presentation 
And so I'm, I'm just curious if that's one of the reasons why prevention is always going to be on the table. And also, you know, this anti-Israel piece of it is one of the priorities of the plan to educate people about this danger. Absolutely, Manya. One of the reasons for the call to action is exactly the shape-shifting nature of the problem. What anti-Semitism looked like 100 years ago is different than what it looks like today. And this action call is really a snapshot. It's a moment in time of what anti-Semitism looks like in 2022 and our best recommendations to respond to it in this moment. And anti-Israel anti-Semitism is really part and parcel of that. So when Israel is demonized in the same way Jews were cast as devils or demons for centuries or delegitimized when Jews are denied their right to national self-determination or double standards that Jews face when only Jews are asked for their position on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in order to participate in social justice causes and then they're excluded. When, when no other ethnic or religious group is asked about their connections to another country, that's anti-Semitism. Or worse, when Jews are verbally or physically harassed or Jewish institutions and houses of worship are vandalized in response to actions of the state of Israel, that's anti-Semitism. So one of the priorities is to educate people about this danger, especially since we do see a reticence to recognize it when anti-Semitism is couched under the word Israel or Zionist, for instance. But the mask falls and Jews are hurt. We saw this in May in 2021 when Jews were attacked on the streets in Los Angeles and New York in response to a war that was actually instigated by Hamas. And this new anti-Semitism, although it's really not new anymore, we've seen it for decades, but it has found a new home today in some social justice movements, even within DEI spaces. And our hope is this call to action will help mitigate the growth in these places. Well, I personally believe that education is the most crucial form of prevention. And as we lose Holocaust survivors and the ability to hear firsthand about the Nazis' murder of six million Jews, as well as the exodus of Jews from Arab lands around that time. How is AJC in this action plan advocating for better education of our students, whether they're elementary school, middle school, or high school level? Thank you, Manya. We have a whole section devoted to the role of educational institutions because we know that education is key. We know that, you know, for years, policymakers, practitioners, and of course, educators, they have said this. But I think the key piece here is what kind of education? How is a certain subject taught? What exactly are students learning? So, you know, we can't just use education as a catch-all. We really need to be specific. And that's what this call to action does. So in the case of anti-Semitism, we're calling for contemporary anti-Semitism studies at colleges and universities. Uh, we're calling for continued courses on the Holocaust, uh, but not ones where anti-Semitism you know, just ends in, in 1945 when, when the textbook does, but really a course that traces its continuation and looks at Holocaust distortion, Holocaust trivialization and denial today. And for secondary institutions, all U.S. states should actually mandate Holocaust education and more importantly, 
guarantee the state school systems are properly prepared to teach it. So that means, you know, working with the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum and other institutions to ensure the Holocaust is taught effectively and appropriately. And finally, in secondary schools, we must ensure that Jews and anti-Semitism are included in ethnic studies and other DEI curricula. So as states consider ethnic studies curricula, we've seen this in California, Massachusetts, and they're considering adopting some of these curriculums around diversity, combating intolerance, which can be very important to be educating young Americans. But lessons should include Jews. They should include Jewish history, Jewish contribution to America, Jewish diversity, and contemporary anti-Semitism, including how anti-Israel animus can be a form of it. Students need to have that nuanced and, and balanced understanding also of the state of Israel and the people who live there, the real people, the, the diverse group of people who live in the land of Israel today. And so that's the specifics that this call to action is advocating for. Regarding the higher education recommendation of offering courses, university courses on anti-Semitism that would address the historical and contemporary forms of anti-Semitism, do any such classes already exist as a good model? These courses do exist. There's actually even an institute devoted to helping professors develop courses on anti-Semitism. But still, these classes are few and far between. And ensuring the contemporary element is included is so critical because it's much easier to discuss historical anti-Semitism. And while important, we know that if left in the past, students can easily believe that anti-Semitism ended with the Holocaust or that it really only has two sources, such as Christian anti-Judaism or white supremacy. And if you think that about anti-Semitism, you're missing a good portion of understanding the problem today. There are a couple of American universities which have centers on anti-Semitism. The most active in my mind is the Institute for the Study of Contemporary Anti-Semitism at Indiana University, Bloomington. This is an institute led by Dr. Alvin Rosenfeld. Yale University also has a program for the study of anti-Semitism, but we welcome more universities to establish these institutes and these centers to study anti-Semitism. What is happening now, and I think this is like maybe the, a message of hope, is there's the beginning of a creation of a network of academics and scholars, but also a few practitioners, which is really important to bring the practitioner and, and the academy together to work on this issue. And this network is solely based around the study of contemporary anti-Semitism. And these connections, although numbers-wise are still quite small, they're growing. And uh, that's something to be hopeful for, uh, even though that we know they're growing because there is a real-world need to counter this problem. So what can listeners do to advance this plan? First, I would say visit our website, ajc.org, to interact with the call to action to see what's there, to do a deeper dive into the audiences that interest you, where there are opportunities to sign on to an action alert, to actually participate actively, you know, please do so. Or there's ways that you could print out easy to use checklists for certain audiences. So for instance, if you're going to a town hall meeting, you know, use the material that's provided for local government. Uh, we want this material to be read, to be used and to be shared. So that's second. If you work, within one of these audience listed, like if you are in government, if you are an educator, if you're in the media or the private sector, share the asks and recommendations at your work. 
in your place of worship, in your children's schools, like start sharing this material. That's really the main way we'll get the message out. And then third, help AJC continue to improve the call to action. I think this is one of the most important asks. This is a living resource. I mentioned this earlier. It's not a static document. It's not a static plan that will just be printed and just exist in its current form. We want this to change. As anti-Semitism changes, we're going to adapt and respond to it and meet the needs in real time. So if you see something missing, if you see something that can improve the plan, write to us. We can be reached at anti-Semitism, it's just the word anti-Semitism, at AJC.org. And we look forward to continuing to update and improve this call to action. Holly, thank you so much for coming on and discussing this plan and best of luck making sure that everybody, everybody adheres to it and embraces it and puts it into action. Thank you, Manya. It truly is a society-wide effort. If you missed last week's episode, be sure to listen to a prescient conversation about the doomed Iran nuclear talks with Benham Ben Talablu from the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. Next week, we welcome Israeli actress Noah Tishby, now Israel's special envoy for combating anti-Semitism and the delegitimization of Israel. And if you haven't heard The Forgotten Exodus, the untold stories of Jews from Arab lands and Iran, be sure to catch the final episode with journalist, author, and poet Roya Hakakian on her family's exodus from Iran. Find The Forgotten Exodus on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by AJC. Our producer is Atara Lakritz. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. You can subscribe to People of the Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or learn more at AJC.org slash People of the Pod. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at peopleofthepod at AJC.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to tell your friends, tag us on social media with hashtag peopleofthepod, and hop on to Apple Podcasts to rate us and write a review to help more listeners find us. Tune in next week for another episode of People of the Pod. 